connecting, growing, and gaining opportunities together. Welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. I'm Michelle Bouchard, your host for today's show. If there's one thing that we've seen happen since COVID entered our lives, it's the transition of programs and services, meetings, etc., from an in-person to a digital format. Look at the increase in telehealth options, retail services, the way students are learning, work meetings, renewing your driver's license, all the things we would not have thought twice about taking care in person, we are now not thinking twice about doing virtually. And this same transition is happening with services in Indian country. One tribe that has really taken the lead to make this happen for their nation is the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. Digital services are the future for tribes. They realized this many years ago, but have really made some great strides to bring this program to the forefront for their membership. In this podcast, we'll talk with the team at Choctaw Nation about their digital transformation journey to create an effective and secure digital platform that serves their tribal membership. So again, thank you guys so much for being here, all of you. I really appreciate it. Um, Before we get started into our conversation, I wanted to give our listeners um, maybe just a rundown of everybody who's who's on the call today, maybe a brief description of what you do for Choctaw Nation. And then um, after that, maybe Jimmy, you could go over um, just an overview of the Choctaw Nation location, maybe, you know, number of tribal members, casinos, that kind of a thing. Steph, do you want to start? Uh, Sure. So my name is Stephanie Johnson, and I uh, lead the government services business analyst team. And we work with our member services programs to capture their uh, technology needs and bring those to life using uh, different software and application development. Good morning, everyone. My name is Bao Nguyen. I am the director of application development. We focus on software and how technology and the tribe can, can better leverage software. Well, Todd, do you want to go since you're on right now? Do you want to, um, we're just doing some uh, just quick introductions of yourself and a real quick recap of what your position is with Choctaw Nation. Absolutely. I'm Senior Director for IT Government Services, and uh, my team, we basically serve all the member service programs. We uh, meet their IT needs, so the Chata Chuffa member portal kind of falls under that umbrella. All right, thanks. And Jimmy? Uh, Yes, so my name is Jimmy Williams, and I'm the Chief Information Officer for Choctaw Nation. I have responsibility for uh, all of the IT efforts across all of the various divisions. So pretty much anything related to technology falls under, you know, my organizations. And, you know, my role is to make sure we're utilizing technology as effectively as possible and and helping the nation be uh, productive. Great. And can you give us just just so, you know, if somebody doesn't necessarily know where you guys are located, just give us a brief overview of, you know, your location, maybe the casinos, enterprises you have, your service area. Uh, absolutely. So so we're located, uh, we occupy 10 and a half counties in uh, the lower corner of southeastern Oklahoma. It's about 11,000 square miles, roughly. Uh, so pretty large service area. We have uh, a little over 200,000 tribal members um, of that, you know, probably around 25, 30 percent are actually in our service area. Um, the rest are spread out across broader Oklahoma and, and you know, really around the globe. So, so we're a pretty large tribe. Um, as far as our, our businesses go, um, we have three casino resorts 
uh, several other standalone casinos, and then actually, uh, you know, more than a dozen what we saw called Casino Twos, which are actually in our travel plazas, which is another one of our, our business lines. We, we have, you know, roughly, we're, we're really getting close to two dozen uh, convenience store, you know, um, concepts. Uh, we also have some grocery stores. Uh, Choctaw Nation is very, very diverse. Uh, you know, we also have our health services with one hospital, uh, multiple clinics spread out through our 10 and a half counties. Uh, we have a very large ranch. Uh, we have a manufacturing business. Uh, Choctaw Nation's really try to diversify out the things that we're doing. So it it's a pretty large enterprise, especially when you talk about technology. Uh, we often joke internally when someone asks us what industry we're in. Um, you know, when you look at the the government services, which including our healthcare, there are around 140, 150 different service programs that we support, um, along with all of these businesses, the casinos, the restaurants, the the travel plazas, the manufacturing. Um, those businesses, we're in just about every industry that you can think of across the board. So it's, it's, it's pretty challenging, but it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And how I love to see tribes that are so diversified, you know, you can't always have your eggs in one basket. And I see a lot of um, nations really trying to do that more and more now, you know, getting out of just the casinos and, and really trying to spread out to some different areas. That's great. Now, one of the reasons we wanted to have you guys on today um, was because I listened to your presentation at our TravelNet conference um, this past November when you were talking about the um, transition that you've made into uh, digital services for your membership. And that was such an interesting presentation and concept and to see how large you are and how many areas and services and and different things that you provide and to be able to make this transition was just a really important conversation that I think a lot of of tribes are, are starting to have, especially in the midst of COVID. So to start out that conversation, what drove you to do something different with how your membership membership services were offered? You know, was what was that need? When did you when did you see that need, and when did you realize how urgent it was to make that transition? Yes, yeah, so I'll kick us off, and and then you know we can have some of the others chime in. This really started for us five to six years ago, um, and it, it was really several different things that came together. Uh, one of them was actually kind of ironic, interesting, funny. I don't know how you want to look at it, but our, our marketing group was doing uh, focus group research with with tribal members in different areas or, because they were trying to put together some marketing campaigns. And it was nice. Uh, some of us that were around at that time, we got access to a lot of that footage and we got to listen to a lot of the focus group stuff. And we had already been talking about just some of the limitations that we had on our tribal members having to come to certain service locations, you know, 8 to 4.30, Monday through Friday, paper-based applications, a lot of the things that you see with just a standard government operation. But when we look at a lot of that focus group research recurringly, um, IT came up in those conversations and it was really just, uh, I guess I don't want to say IT, but, but a way that technology could help because what people kept saying is it's so hard to get services. Um, It's very burdensome. It's really difficult to go to these places. You know, the hours don't work with my job. So we had really pitched the concept around, let's look at, you know, how do we have a member portal? How do we tie 
applications together because there were just a lot of recurring themes, you know, people having to give the same documents over and over and over again, people having to provide the same information to 10 different departments. So we just started thinking about, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to look at using technology to solve a lot of these problems because the underlying things document management, you know, data management, um, streamlining processes. And, and it was really a good time to make that segue because people were starting to adopt a lot of the mobile applications for other things in their lives. And it was it was starting to be that that expectation. So we just really felt like the time was right. We, we got the leadership support and, and started walking down that road to see what this could ultimately turn into. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, in, in addition to that, I think those are all really great points and s- s- certainly, you know, really aligned to what we're doing. But you know, I think a lot, a lot of times we were also having some issues with just having that visibility with how we interact with our tribal members. You know, uh, I know sometimes, you know, tribal members would call some of our offices and we just wouldn't necessarily know who all they've interacted with. Our chief or whatnot would have to make, you know, different phone calls to different departments and say, hey, did you guys interact with this individual? Hey, did you guys interact with this individual? Or and just, uh, you know, bringing that all together is certainly something that has a tremendous value for us. So you said one of the first steps was really getting, you know, your leadership on board. And so once once that was secured, what what did you do next? Like, what was your next step? So uh, honestly, that was a lot more of a journey than you would think trying to get the leadership on board. And, you know, and I think we talked about this in, in, in our, our travel net uh, session, you know, one of the things that was probably one of the best wins for us is, you know, something completely outside of the IT realm. And it was Choctaw Nation had restructured uh, leadership and basically changed up kind of how the nation's organization was laid out. And it created a singular role to lead the member services organization. And when uh, that happened, that really became a great catalyst for, for us because we really needed someone who could see that bigger vision and, and we had so much segregated leadership. And I just really wanted to point that out because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we can talk a lot about technology and different things, but I think for us, if that hadn't have happened, I don't know that we would have been able to drive the directions that we drove because the siloed leadership was just not as open. You know, it really took that someone over the, the top of that organization to say, we've got to share, we've got to change how we think. But, um, you know, really our next steps were, you know, starting to talk about, you know, how we can make this a reality. And I think one of the biggest challenges we ran into at the time, and it, it's something that if we were starting this over today, we could do differently and, and we would do differently. And Bao could probably drop into some of the details with it. But um, at the time we started this process, we were very, very limited on our ability to store data um, off of tribal sovereign lands. And there was a, a huge reluctance among all of our leadership to let data go out into a cloud or in any other environment. And so a, a big part of our initial push was talking through some of the the challenges that we were going to have, trying to build a scalable system, something that we could get out in front of everybody that was mobile friendly, that could do all these things we wanted it to do, but then still retain our data um, in our tribal data centers and, and make this something that would just work. So we really started talking about, you know, what programs would we kind of start with? What were the things we needed to have in place? And then how would we lay some of this out to, to overcome that? Because it, it really was, I would say, one of our biggest uh, 
you know, technical hurdles when we, when we started the journey. Yeah. And I, and I think from the program's perspective, I think one of the things that we focused on was just a smaller program, something that we felt pretty comfortable about that, uh, you know, we could get out. We, we certainly didn't want to, you know, bite off more than we could chew. And, you know, cause all that stuff builds confidence, it builds momentum. And so that kind of helps your leadership kind of believe in the process. And you know, those are some challenges that, you know, if it takes too long or if things, there's not, there's not much that's very visible. Uh, so I focus on, Hey, you know, let's, let, let's look at something kind of small. Let, let, let's see if we can get to the finish line on some of these things. Let's, let's have some visibility and let's be able to show some of those things. And of course the, the, the data challenge, I mean, that's, that's something I think, you know, a, a lot of tribes face. So, you know, for us that, that was, um, a little bit of a hurdle just because, you know, with the technology in place and we all know how prevalent cloud is and we all know how, how much people want to be able to have access 24 seven and all that stuff. So we, we certainly want to meet those needs, but you know, some hurdles come across with, 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 with the sovereignty for sure. So Michelle, I wanted to mention is, you know, in addition to making it easier for our business, for our members to consume services, you know, Steffi and I's job is to deliver services to our businesses that create efficiency. So once the, you know, once we created a digital intake on the front end for those businesses, then we were able to automate a lot of the processes that they were doing manually and cut a lot of time not only for the business to, to process, you know, the applications for services, but it also the turnaround time in which we can deliver services to our tribal members increased greatly. So it, it's a big win for our businesses and our associate, internal associates also once we get their services consumable in the portal. Right. That Yeah, that, that makes sense. So did you start with, you know, about you said that you started out small and, you know, focused on one thing and then kind of grew on that. What was the very first thing that you that you focused on? Was it like the intake? And and if it was, I'm interested to see how to I guess to learn about how you you were able to communicate that step with the membership. Really, what we started is kind of looking at the technology you know, what's available to us that actually meets our you know technology needs and, and, and allows us to overcome some of those hurdles. Uh, that you know obviously took some time. And then, in addition to that, what, what we really did is we focus on a program that we offer. And guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was hunting and fishing. That was the, the first program that we focused on. And, and and that's a pretty small program for us. You know, the 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 business needs and everything. The, the the requirements aren't real real big. So that's one that we felt pretty comfortable with, and that that's really the the our, our direction because we didn't want to, to to get too much on our plate. And so that's that's uh, was what was I think really successful for us because you know. We, we kind of live in a society where it's a, you know, a immediate rewards type of, of environment. So it's uh, that was allowed us to, to kind of breadcrumb that, if you will, and kind of keep people interested and keep people wanting to see more. You know, and Michelle, I think it's it's probably important to note just just as a clarifying point. You know, when we talk to others, and, and it was something we looked at as well, um, I always hear people talk about a universal application, and I, I know a lot of different tribes and different people that their goal is to kind of come up with this universal application for service. We didn't really take that approach. So when when Bao or Stephanie or Todd talk about these different programs, we really 
when we looked at that, the needs were so different across so many of these spaces. What we've really tried to do is in our data layer underneath, we've tried to normalize a lot of the data and, and use recurring elements where we can. But we've also tried to keep those applications as robust as possible for the individual needs of the program. So as we work through this and we do manage this like a, like a regular product life cycle, so it's always being enhanced. There's always new programs going in. It's it's ever evolving. Um, each program still gets a very robust, tailored application that meets their business need. And then we're mapping all of that into our data model that sits underneath this and you know, sharing the like things, but adding the new things. But we just really found that talking about, and I'm going to do the air quotes that no one can see, a universal application. It just really didn't work for us. So when we talk about these intakes, they're very specific to programs and individual programs and individual program needs. So yeah, that, that, that's a really good point, Jimmy. And, you know, in, in addition to that, I also want to point out that, you know, one of our, our core, core focuses on this approach was that we didn't really want people to have to use our software if they already had something in place, right? So we didn't want to reinvent the wheel for them. And we wanted them to be able to, we wanted to empower them to use the software that they feel fits their organization best and gives them the ability to do what, what they need to do. And we would just integrate that into our kind of platform, if you will, to kind of provide that 360 degree view and holistic view of everything that's going on. But we didn't want to go say, hey, you have to use this. This is all you got, you know. We were able to, you know, integrate with different technologies, different softwares, and that's really allowed us to get garner a little bit more buy-in, if you will, just because, you know, a lot of times when you're not asking people to change how they work and change how they do things, they're typically a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can can 100% see that. You know, a lot of people, you know, if you're asking them to change, you know, their all the technology that they're using and that they're comfortable with, you're definitely going to have some pushback. So going in and working with the departments and, and looking at what they're using and, you know, working that into you make this transition is such a, such a smart step. So smart. Well, we've created some, I think, good relationships. And, and it's one of the things that, that we started doing from the vendor management side of things. If we go out for an RFQ and we're looking to bring a new system in inside the nation, you know, a part of our RFQ process is asking all those questions. Can they support the data integrations with our platform? These are the expectations we have around, you know, our goal is for every transactional system that we intake the application from the, the portal. Can those vendors support that. And and honestly, we've had pretty good support as far as them helping develop the right APIs, being able to intake our application, being able to send application statuses and various data that we need back to the portal for for tribal member communication. So it's it's almost that other-ended approach where the business can still use a very robust system that fits their need, but then we get all the things that we need to make the portal work well. And you know, that's you know, about in really, he hasn't quite said this yet, but that's one of the things for us is capacity. You know, when you talk about 140 service programs, Bao's team, Todd and Stephanie's teams, that they just are never going to have the time to build a full stack set of applications for every single one of these service programs and needs. So if there's a vendor out there that has a great system that does whatever service program, 
And then we can figure out how to integrate that. You know, that's a lot of speed to market for us because we only have to build the pieces we need to build. And then there's proven robust technology on the back end that they can use that was purpose built for whatever they do. So that integration layer, I, I think for us, is a little bit of a differentiator in, in how we've approached this. But it also gives us a ton of flexibility on things we can do when we have good partners that want to integrate. Where are you at right now with the process? So are all of your departments using a type of a, a digital service or do you are you still working with certain areas to try and make that transition? So I'll start off, but I'll let Stephanie, she can give you more detail on this. You know, Honestly, I feel like we're still at, at the beginning of the journey. Um, we've got multiple programs in the platform at this time. We've got a roadmap of, of new programs that we're bringing in. Uh, they're around, I, I, Stephanie can correct me on the number at this point, but around 90,000 tribal members that you know we have enrolled in the portal. But we are still working through that process where you know, Stephanie and Todd, they're out there every day talking to different service programs, uh, figuring out the needs and, you know, I guess to think about it, it's a very dynamic environment. We create new programs all the time. You know, we may get to it during part of this conversation, but, you know, CARES is a great example. There are brand new service programs for us that are getting established because of CARES and the funding that's available. Didn't exist before. So some of our time becomes, you look at this roadmap of programs, but you've got new things coming in all the time. So we're managing that workload. Um, One of the reasons we, we approach this like a product is, you know, we see this journey continuing for a long time. Um, and, and Stephanie, I don't know what you want to add to that, but um, I feel like we've got a long ways to go, but we're, we're making great progress. Uh, so we do have just under 20 apps online, which really doesn't sound like much when you look at the fact that we have 140. But the more that we release, the quicker the our business programs are coming to us asking when they can get online because our members are telling them that program was so easy to apply for. You know, why can't yours be this way? Um, and they, there's a lot of conversations going on like that. So we're still in the very early stages, but the more we do, the quicker we get at um, churning these apps out and getting the requirements to the development team. So we're making really good progress, especially just in the last uh, six months. Stephanie, you might provide, I mean, what was the monetary figure that we were able to turn through the portal uh, last year. Do you remember what that value was? I do not. Uh, you know, Todd, I, I don't know the monetary value, but um, I will say that it was over 140,000 applications that we processed in support of the CARES Act through the portal in about a six month period of time. Wow. That's impressive. And that's with all of the regular programs still ongoing. You know, we didn't go and shut down a whole bunch of services to do these other programs. That's just related to, um, you know, what came down with CARES. And, you know, it's, it's a shout out for this whole team that's on this call that, you know, when when we got the, I guess I'll say when we got the call uh, from Chief's office and the CARES committee and they said, hey, we, we uh, have decided that the way we need to lay this out is we want to do direct member payments. We're going to build these programs. These are the things that fall under all the rules. And then they said, we really want these live. It was, it was like a two week period of time. 
and they wanted applications going out to members. Um, you know, everyone on this call and all of their teams, I mean, they, they jumped on this and I truly believe it was because of the framework, the investment we made. That was the only reason we were able to turn that around the way we did. But we met all those deadlines and got the applications out the, the way the organization wanted them out and had them in front of tribal members in a very short period of time. That's absolutely outstanding. I think that would be one of the biggest hurdles is, you know, the communication from, you know, the nation to the tribal the tribal members in using the program. So it's really interesting to hear how they are could possibly be the next catalyst of, of making these different departments, you know, wanting to to switch over to the application. And Michelle, I did look I looked up that figure. The last time Steffi and I looked, we turned right at nineteen million dollars uh last year of benefits through the portal. And we would not have been able to basically administer the benefits in the manner that we did without the portal in regard to the COVID relief. It just, it couldn't have happened in the manner that our tribe wanted to do it without the portal. Did you guys use a specific type of um, project management when putting this all together? So we practiced agile project management loosely. Waterfall just wouldn't, would not have worked with the way our development team functions. And Michelle, let me back up. I said, I'm looking ahead at 21 up to this point in 20, where we did the COVID uh, applications during the, the last quarter there, we were over 98 million. To me, that seems very successful, but are there other markers that you have that you're trying to reach for that will measure the success of digital membership services? So, you know, in addition to being a, a great opportunity for our tribal members, it's also a, a, a good internal solution as well. So when you talk about, you know, time to market, you talk about efficiency and you talk about how many people it takes to process these requests. I know we've gotten word from various departments of, you know, varying levels of efficiency improvements that we've gained. I believe one of our departments at one point in time had, 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 in, had indicated that it was over $200,000 of annual efficiency improvements because of switching to the portal. And then in addition to that, Stephanie and Todd and their teams, they do a really good job of, you know, business process mapping and evaluation and then, you know, process engineering to ensure that, you know, when you do come into the portal, it's not just, hey, it's not not just software, right? It's, it's, you know, what what does your business process look like? How do we improve that? And then how do we leverage technology in a way that maximizes your efficiency? I I was just going to say, you know, this is when, you know, our chief is, you know, very visionary and, you know, we're not really there yet. I think there's a lot to do with with the services, but you know, one of the things that our, our chief has kind of challenged us to do is, you know, as we talk about this technology, engaging our tribal members and you know, really to a point getting them um, participating with the tribe. We need to think beyond services. And he's really put out the challenge to look at, you know, what are those other things? If, if you're a tribal member that doesn't need some of the service programs, you know, how can we get you to interact with the tribe and what are the things you're interested in and, and how can we make this technology something that's not just for a service seeker 
you know, we're talking about things like our, our genealogy program, our land allotments, a lot of the cultural and history aspects. And then as we turn it into more of a, a communications hub, you're know, getting those individuals. How do they know that you know they live in California and we're doing a community event in California on a certain weekend? You know, do they want to push notification to say, hey, there's an event at this particular weekend at this location? You know, how do we allow them to enroll in interest and interact with the portal and do things with us that aren't just applying for services or you know getting a service benefit? So I, I think services and that basic layer was was kind of 1.0. But we're having a lot of discussions when we look at our you know three and five year roadmaps to talk about you know what does 2.0 look like and and what are those things that um, you know really differentiate the portal and start to move us into that world where, you know, someone who really doesn't do a lot with the tribe, they don't need help from the services, you know, becomes interested in interacting with the tribe and we can help them in some way or give them something that, uh, you know, gives them a sense of pride or connects them with their history and culture, um, you know, in a very uh, personal way. Um, that's our next real challenge for the portal. And I think it's going to take some time to get there and flesh out what that really is. But, you know, that's something that we see being part of our future. What a great way to create a sense of community, you know, around around the tribal members and, you know, and a great area, a great space to encourage uh, in the, the continuation of your language. I think, you know, for, for tribes thinking about going down this route, I mean, there's certainly a huge opportunity there, but, you know, the, the amount of time it takes and, and all the value that's there, just understanding your organization and knowing what makes sense for you know your organization. You know, just because we did something doesn't necessarily mean it, it, it bodes well for you know, a different tribe or, or, or whatnot, but, you know, just identifying your organization and understanding how they leverage technology, what their capabilities are, what their capacities are. So that's really where you ultimately come up with solutions, you know? So that's kind of the, I think is important to think about is, is just that level of understanding. And every tribe's going to be different. You're right. Depending on where they're at in their technology journey. Sure. Absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, kind of pulling on that same thread, you know, if I same thing, recommendations for a, a tribe that may be looking at going down this pathway or they're, they're thinking about a need for a portal, they really would like to have something. You know, the other thing is it is really there's a large understanding in your organization and you have to get them on board with the sharing of data and the thought process that as a service group, they're really an extension of what of one organization, you have to break down those barriers and silos between programs because no matter what technology you pick, no matter how good your developers are, no matter how good your BAs are, if you have reluctance to share information between the programs and they don't really want to participate in that way, you're really, really going to struggle. And and that was one of the challenges that, you know, I think the Choctaw Nation had, had fought with for a long time. You know, simple example, you know, I'm program A, you're program B. We both collect, you know, information. I collect the driver's license, but you don't just because you don't need it. You could add it to your program at any time. But then when you get ready to share data, uh, my program, program A says, oh, yeah, they, they can't see this because we have driver's license and then they just can't see driver's licenses. 
Well, there's no legal or regulatory requirement. There's no policy that says they can't. They've just never needed it. So creating this more holistic view and understanding of as a servicer of a tribal member, you know, data is powerful. Things can can help you and trying to create, you know, Bow's kind of touched on the 360 for a tribal member. But, you know, if I'm a caseworker or someone who's sitting down with you to help you with services and help better your life, understanding the other programs you participate in, the things that you're doing, the more information I have about you that I can help you and about your family. Well, if we already have all of that, why should you have to interview that person again? So I think there's just this critical aspect of really getting the mindset and the culture right in your service programs to help your technology be successful. And that for me is one of those things that if you don't have that, you could you could take a hundred million dollars, in my opinion, and throw it at technology, and your success is going to be very very limited because you're just not going to get the outputs that you need when those programs won't share, won't work together, and they don't think of themselves as one cohesive group. So that's a really good bring up that Jimmy makes. You know, sometimes to go into this digital transformation, the businesses they have to be willing to change their processes sometimes because sometimes their current process just won't fit into this digital transformation. So yeah, the business is definitely has to be willing and sometimes change is hard for, for people, you know, and for some of our businesses. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, people processes and technology in, 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 in that order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And change is hard, especially if you, you know, you're working with a, a department or an area that's been doing the same thing for a really long time. It's, um, it's definitely a hard a hard thing, but you've definitely been able to show some great successes in what you've been doing. So that's that speaks volumes, I think. So one of the things on your list, Michelle, that I don't think we talked about was um, security and compliance. You know that that was a, a huge um, concern for us. And there was a lot of time, energy, and effort put into um, you know, making sure that the platform could be secured and that we had all the right security. Um, you just uh, Bow can go into more detail on this, but you know we had a full pen test done on the platform. We brought in a, a special group just to pen test the platform and the underlying technologies before we rolled it out live. Um, you know, of course, we do keep all of our our data, our documents, and our databases. Um, on tribal in tribal data centers. So, you know, all of the things that you know happen when you have that inside your four walls, you know, we have have those protections as well. But security was a huge topic for us. And I'll, I'll let Bao talk about this, but then I also kind of have, you know, uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and that was really support for the platform once you go live and let and talk about some of the challenges we had there. But Val, do you want to talk a little bit about security? Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of like we pointed out, I mean, it, it was huge. I mean, you know, with, with the sovereignty and all the concerns, I mean, you know, cloud has been a buzzword for a long time and everyone kind of thinks they that's really cool and stuff but you know when you actually start going down some of those routes there i mean those concerns become you know real and you know we we, we did quite a few different things you know we had microsoft vet our architecture we you know we, we work with them to say this is what we're going to do. do you guys have any concerns about you know how this is structured and and in addition to that we, we've done multiple pen tests we also go through various you know security checks and you know in addition to that you know as we deploy our code we actually have processes in place that run security checks before the code gets even deployed. 
So, you know, there's a lot of things in, in place to, to ensure that we do uh, meet those various compliance standards. And, and that's always ongoing, right? I mean, you know, we, we, we've recently heard about some of the, uh, the challenges with other organizations and security. And so we definitely want to be, uh, you know, having that at the forefront of our thought process as we continue to build our platform. So, Steph, I think it'd be great if you addressed how we supported our members. Stephanie kind of oversees the group that supports our, our members uh, for the portal. So can you address that, Stephanie? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, once you go live with any software, it's it's typically only as good as the support you receive. And we knew that that was going to be something that we needed to figure out how to address when we went live with the member portal, because it was the first time we were giving our members an interactive online platform to apply for these programs and we knew that some would have questions or issues. So we, we hired two staff that answer the phones for us, but they actually uh, call a 1-800 number that goes to a call center. And then it comes to us as a ticket because there's no way that two staff members could answer live calls. We would members would be on hold for way too long and we're uh, revamping that process right now. But it, it was an issue at first because we only had one person. Uh, it was kind of an afterthought uh, for a lot of leadership. So it was it was an interesting journey. Yeah, I think that that, that Michelle, is one of the things that, uh, you know, another one of those, if, if we were to have a conversation with a tribe that was, was getting ready to get started, uh, be thinking about your support model. And, and that was a huge gap for us. Uh, you know, our, our service programs had talked about, you know, a customer care program. And, and then when we really got ready to, to start talking about going live and talking about the volumes of calls that may come in, you know, I think everyone realized that there just really wasn't the internal capacity, you know, whether that be in the service programs or in, you know, with our current customer care desk or with our IT organization to manage tribal member calls coming in. So we ended up, and as Stephanie said, you know, we're always evaluating what this looks like and, and trying to evolve it. Uh, but we, we use an external call center. The two people that uh, work with Stephanie, they actually help prepare the scripts and all the walkthroughs for the call center. And then when the call center reaches something that they just can't handle or it's not part of the scripting or it's just something that um, is out of the norm, then it routes internally to, um, you know, actual Choctaw Nation individuals. And we can either determine whether it's a technology issue or a program issue. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up with this topic is that's what really makes this uh kind of hard to talk about like an IT service desk, they can help with the technical components, but they're not program experts. They can't tell you why you don't qualify for the hunting and fishing license program or what things you need to do to try to be qualified for the program or whatever it is, because we're not service program people. So you really have to have mechanisms to triage calls, understand what the tribal member needs, and then route those to the right place. If it's a technology problem, we absolutely own that, you know, end to end. But a lot of times it's just, you know, I don't understand why I don't qualify for this program, or I don't understand why, you know, my child doesn't show up as a member well, that's really probably a membership question, and it may be something to do with their enrollment status or their application process. So you have to have a really robust system in place if you want 24-7 support 
globally uh, to get these calls to the right place and help those tribal members get assistance as quickly as possible. And for us, it was almost something that derailed our platform going live because we just didn't know that we could support it at, a, at the level we felt needed to be to give our tribal members the service they deserve. It was that big a deal. All the technology sitting there, ready to press the go button, but the back end of it and the support and how those calls get there, you know, just almost sidelined us. Yeah, I just want to add to that as well. Part of the support, you know, we had in mind the phone support and walking them through verbally how to fix whatever issues they were having. But um, we really missed a gap of members that just aren't comfortable with technology. And how do we help with that? It's, it's not very easy to do over the phone. So what we're trying to do now is map out how do we get in front of members and get them some basic technology training, um, you know, showing them how to set up email accounts and walking them through how to use the member portal in person. That's something, you know, regardless of this initiative, I feel like all tribes should really focus on offering their members. Yes, that's a, that's a really great point, Stephanie. You know, with it depending on your, you know, elder population and people's uh, comfort level of working within those different devices, you could definitely have a gap there. Have you had any issues with uh, connectivity as far as, you know, membership not having access to uh, wireless internet in the area and being able to use some of these programs? Absolutely. Um, you know, being in, in rural Oklahoma, and it, we could have a whole other discussion around you know Choctaw's efforts to to help with broadband, but um, Oklahoma is lagging um, in broadband broadband internet availability. The Choctaw Nation has several counties that you know, maybe thirty to forty percent of the people have access to broadband. So you know we're doing other things outside of this. You know Wi-Fi in our community center parking lots. We're partnering with a lot of our telcos. Um, we have a whole separate set of strategies around how do we help get broadband into the nation. But yeah, that's a huge problem. I mean, you know, it's a very rural population in a very rural area that sometimes they don't even have cell phone access. So um, it is a limiter to some of the adoption. But that's a whole separate, you know, problem to solve. You know, huge investment around trying to get broadband infrastructure in place. But like I say, there's a whole separate set of activities related to that to try to get uh, broadband into the nation. And, and you know, that one goes even farther, right? It's affecting the education of our tribal members because of virtual learning. It's uh, impacting a lot of our elders and those that can't travel or in a high risk population because they can't do telehealth visits. It's impacting tribal members that have the ability to work remotely, but due to the limited availability of broadband, they're not able to utilize those opportunities. So you know, this is one of those generational problems getting broadband into the area and we're working on that as well but yeah it would be it would be uh, a falsehood to say that that doesn't impact you know, some of our people's ability to access services because it absolutely does well you guys this has been an amazing conversation and i am just so absolutely impressed with everything that you've done and i appreciate the time you guys took today to walk through some of these pieces um, and your transformation and hopefully sharing your journey with other tribes across the, the country will, will help. 
in their journey as well. Well, thank you for your time this morning, Michelle. And we were really glad to have the opportunity to come on and tell our story and just walk through some of our experiences. I know everyone on this call, you know, this has been a great, uh, I hate to even call it a project. It's, it's to, to some of us, you know, it's this, it'll be the thing that we can talk about years from now that we were able to do for the tribe. So um, it's just so much more than a project, but just the ability to get to do this for, for our organization and see what it can do for tribal members has been great. And, and we appreciate you. You know, the one thing that I, I would say that I, I think I might've said in the beginning, you know, we started this journey around six years ago at this point, Portal's been, been live about two you know, I think if we were doing this today, we would definitely evaluate, you know, technology and our decisions differently. Um, our tribe stance on cloud and, and using data outside of our tribal sovereign has completely changed and opened a lot of doors and opportunities. So, you know, technology evolves all the time. Thoughts and opinions evolve all the time. You know, we see all the privacy laws. We see all the different things that, that appear and disappear. But uh, if we were to start this journey again today, there are some things that we would do differently, especially given access to the cloud. So, you know, definitely for some of the smaller tribes, you know, there are partners out there that can help you get this stuff up and running. You know, there are ways that you can get this done and it doesn't have to be the model that that we follow because we, we based our, our model, our process and our evolution on, you know, our leaders of the time and the technologies that were available to, available to us when we started started the process and, you know, things change. And, and I don't know, Bao or Stephanie, if you have something to add to that, but I just think it's important for people to know, you know, Bao has said it too, you know, our way, there, there's so many ways you can solve this problem and, and technologies are popping up all the time that can help you solve it cheaper and faster. And there's just a lot of great opportunities for travelers right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of like Jimmy said, it is a different world now than when it is when we started. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that, that, that just goes back to your organization and understanding, you know, where, where you are, where you want to be. And because the technology is always there. And I think a lot of times it's, it's the, the people in the processes that, you know, provide the, the, the biggest, uh, challenge. Um, but, you know, I, I think as you listen to this, you're kind of hearing a, a kind of a common theme and it's that, <laughs> We're at a place. We're at a place that we want to go. We want to continue to grow, and you know, so you know, continuous improvement is something that's always on our mind, right? I mean, how do we do this better? How do we expand this platform? How do we include things that aren't included, and how do we improve our security? So, you know, it's that mindset of you know continuous improvement. That's what I think will allow us to ultimately get where we want to be. Is that you know we're we're not just doing something that we're done and we're we're, we're just continuing to grow and we're, we're growing quite rapidly. So absolutely, and, and like you said before too, it's it's a matter of you know looking at your tribe and your departments and, and your organization because that's going to make a difference too. You know your needs one one tribe's needs are going to be different than another tribe's needs, so you definitely have to know that. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I know that we ran over our, our time limit, but I appreciate this so much. I think this is going to turn out amazing and I cannot wait to get in and start editing. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Yep. Thanks, guys. You have a great day and a great weekend, okay? Yep, you too. You can learn more about the Choctaw Nation at their website, ChoctawNation.com. That's C-H-O-C-T-A-W-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. If you have a topic for our show or would have a story to share, please contact me at michelleb at tribalhub.com. 
And also, don't forget to subscribe and follow our show wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. You can connect with us here by searching Tribal Hub on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or visit our webpage at tribalhub.com. Thanks, everybody.